Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Hilchai Sanhedrin, Perik Revi, speaks about how a judge is appointed to be a judge. And the Rambam speaks about two different means, two different methods that empower a judge. First, the Rambam speaks about smicha. Now, the word smicha, which is loosely translated as rabbinic ordination, says the Rambam began when Moshe Rabbeinu gave smicha to Yeshua, and when Moshe Rabbeinu gave smicha to the 70 elders that we read about on Parshas Baha'u There is a difference between them. When Moshe Rabbeinu gave smicha to Yeshua, there was also a physical leaning of Moshe Rabbeinu's holy hands on Yeshua. As it says clearly, Vayismach es yodav olav. When Moshe Rabbeinu gave smicha to the 70 elders, and all of the smich, people that received smicha from then onwards did not have a smicha of smichas yodayim, but they were given smicha by the means of the one giving smicha, notified the person receiving the smicha, that from now on you are to be called the Rebbe, you are Samuch, and you have permission to adjudicate all cases of the Torah, even Dine Knossos, even cases that involve financial penalties. Now, the Ramam actually writes that a person may be giving, given smicha in only one area of halacha or in, for a, only a limited period of time. Nevertheless, that person has to be worthy of receiving smicha in all areas. Smicha, from when we entered Eretz Yisrael, can only be given in Eretz Yisrael, meaning both the one who is conferring smicha and the one receiving the smicha must both be in Eretz Yisrael. Furthermore, from the times of Philo the Elder, we made a takana that anyone who is a candidate to receive smicha must first have his name ran by the Nasi. The Nasi has to give an approval prior to this candidate actually receiving smicha. It doesn't mean that the Nasi has to be, be the one giving smicha. Whoever received smicha, meaning getting smicha from someone who got smicha in Eretz Yisrael, who got smicha from someone else in Eretz Yisrael, going all the way back either to Yeshua or to the 70 elders, parenthetically, even though they did not receive smicha in Eretz Yisrael, that's someone who is a musmach, who is able to confer smicha. Now, we... At some times in history, especially the Romans who wanted to uproot the power of the Jewish judiciary, they did not, they outlawed giving smicha. And they almost succeeded, at first there were tanoim that were mamas moiser nefesh, that smicha should continue. But ultimately, at the ends of the times of the Talmud, smicha was interrupted. Real smicha was interrupted. The Rambam writes, what the Rambam thinks that still needs to have hechra, how you can reinitiate smicha, and that is if and when all of the Chachamim and Eretz Yisrael agree that that individual should be given smicha, then you can restart the smicha process. Now all of this is giving someone the power of being a dayan by giving him smicha. There is another way of appointing someone as a judge, and that is, is that during the times that the Jewish people were given by the non-Jewish government in bubble, the governmental right of ruling ourselves, and then we appointed what we call the Reish Golos, who actually had had power as representing a government. He was the head of the Jewish government. If that person, who he himself has the power to force people to go to his court system, whether they like it or not, if he gives permission and power to someone to act 
on his behalf, that person also has the power to act as a judge. That person also has to have all of the qualifications that we learned yesterday, both in knowledge and in character. And the Ramam concludes the chapter that whoever doesn't meet these qualifications, even if they got smich, or if they got permission from the Reish Golos, that smich doesn't have any power as we will continue to learn the powers and the liabilities of the judge in the subsequent chapters. Hilchai Sanhedrin, Perik Hamishi, is telling us for what dinim do we have to have dafke, the great Sanhedrin, to adjudicate? What other parts of Jewish law could be adjudicated even by a Sanhedrin Ketano? But you have to have at least a Sanhedrin Ketano, which is the court of 23 judges. And what other cases could be judged even by a Beisden of three, as long as they are mumchim, as long as they have smicham, or as we spoke out in the previous chapter, if, if we're dealing with a Beisden and Chutzla Aritza, they were given permission from the Reish Golos. So the first thing that Amam says is, is that we halachically can only appoint the head of the Jewish government, which is a king, only through the Beisden Hagadol of 71. Every Sanhedrin Ketama can only be appointed by the Sanhedrin Gedoyla. And then the Ramam goes and he speaks about that which halachically is referred to as the Dover Hagadol, big areas. They touch upon what halacha considers to be big questions has to be touched by the Sanhedrin of 71 and look inside the chapter to see all of the all of the above. A Sanhedrin Ketan is needed to adjudicate any capital case even if it's a case in which an animal if found guilty because that animal is going to be found guilty to have we killed another person will be put to death it has to be done in a Sanhedrin Ketana the Ramam speaks about an illusion. How do we get the number of 23? Look inside, even though it's really Medivere Kabbalah, but there's a certain hint from Parshas Masay, from a Pesukim, from a Pasuk in Parshas Masay. The Ramam goes on and he moves down by saying that even though up until now we only learned about the great Sanhedrin, the minor Sanhedrin, and then a court of three, the Ramam actually speaks about certain dinim for which you taka need to have a court of three, which is to give Malchus. You don't need to have a court of more than three, but there are other uh, halachic topics that if they have to be adjudicated, you need to have a number more than three. The, the, the decapitation of, a, of an egg la'arufa has to happen by a based on a five. To be ma'amr, the year, you have to have a Sanhedrin of seven. Obviously, we're all speaking about judges that have smicha. The Rambam speaks more about nowadays. Nowadays meaning when we don't have the smuchen. And even if someone was given permission from the Reish Golos, he cannot adjudicate he cannot adjudicate cases that are called Dine Knossos. So the Ramam goes into a lot of detail. What is considered Dine Knossos? The Ramam actually writes that what could judges give rulings for nowadays, even though they don't have smicha, but they are acting as shluchim from the original based in, in cases both that are a common occurrence, so people are uh, lending money and people are denying that they owe the money or they say they paid back or certain types of damages, etc. It has to be something that's commonly occurring and it involves financial laws. That is something for which even a based in of Rabbanim that don't have the real smicha do gather and will give halachic rulings. Hilchai Sanhedrin Pedic Shishi touches upon two foundational topics when it comes to judges. First topic of this chapter is what were to happen if a judge slash Beisdin makes a mistake in their halachic ruling. So in this Kitzur, this is very nuanced. Just to touch upon the different topics that we'll have to ask prior to coming to a conclusion. We will differentiate 
whether the mistake was in a what the Gemara calls Ta'a Bidvar Mishnah, what the Rambam calls Ta'a Bidvarim Hagluyim Hayaduyim, which both mean if there is a clear cut halacha, whether it's clear cut in the Mishnah or it becomes clear cut in the Gemara. And by the way, that's even if there is a topic that was debated, if at the end of the sugya in the in the in Chazal, everyone conceded there is a consensus that this is the halach. That's one type of mistake. Then you have another type of mistake. It's a mistake in a topic that's called Ta'a b'shikol hadas. Shikol hadas means it's a halachic topic that you need to weigh in and to determine, to think whether you're going to side with one opinion, whether you're going to side with another opinion. In other words, not only did, is this brought down in the oral title in a way of amachleikas, whether it's amachleikas tanoim or amoyroim, but furthermore, in Chazal, there isn't a clear decision as to who will be Paskin like. Now, nevertheless, throughout the years, it becomes common practice in certain areas in Allahim that we follow the opinion of A. Comes along this Dayan slash Beisdin, and they ruled like opinion B. That's a different type of question. So it's a mistake, but it's not Bidvar Mishnah. Another thing that we're going to have to put into this Chalon Pat is, did the Dayan, did this judge have Smicha? Did this judge have what we spoke about two chapters ago in the fourth chapter, permission from the Rosh Golos to call people to, to judgment or not? Another question, is this person considered a mumcha or not? All of that will play into what happens if a mistake was made. The second topic of this chapter will be when there are two litigants and one litigant is saying, let's adjudicate our case in the local basin. The other one says, listen, why, let's go to the Beisden Hagadol Shabi Yerushalayim. Or like the Ramam writes at the end of the chapter, doesn't only refer to times of a Sanhedrin. Sometimes you live in a country, you're living in city A, and in city B, there is another Beisden that's known to be expert in this topic. When, the Ramam is going to tell you, when does one litigant have the power to force the case in that greater Sanhedrin, and when can the other litigant force the case be ruled in the local court happens to be that even when it's ruled in the local court everyone has always the right to tell the Beisdin don't only tell me the Psagdin but also write down Dantuni, write the sources which will give them then the power to show the sources to other Rabbanim and therefore it could be discovered that they made a mistake and then we will have to apply all of the rules that we learn in this chapter